Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Hey, Alex. Yeah, doing pretty well. Uh, another interesting week. Uh, another point gained or lost, or two points lost, depending how you look at it. But no, going all right. Yeah, look, I guess it was an interesting one. Um, we're coming off two wins in a row against Birmingham and Wigan in the league. Um, winnable home tie against Huddersfield, big crowd backing the side as well on the day. Um, only the one change from the last um, time out in the league with Smith coming in for Ali. And um, yeah, I, I guess I guess it is one of those ones you probably look at as potentially two points dropped, but the manner of the equaliser coming as late as it did, it does feel like one point gained at the same time. So um, I think they were saying in the coverage, and I think we probably talked about it last week, Huddersfield being one of our bogey sides with the five losses in a row or something like that. So just one of those sides we seem to struggle to match up with. Yeah, absolutely. I think we talked at length about that in the last podcast and for good reason. I think it's just uh, kind of, you know, those bogey teams that uh, you've become so familiar with that you don't even really need to go back and look at the record. You just look at the the fixtures and know straight away that there's something that uh, feels unsettling about that particular matchup. And uh, as you said, to, to get a goal in the fashion that we did and, and so incredibly late in the game, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of come away from that and uh, and not be too uh, too heartbroken, given the fact that uh, you know it's it's very rare to see a game a goal that late in a game to begin with. But uh, nonetheless, against uh, as you said, one of those banana skin teams, so uh, definitely something that we will take and and be grateful for, given the circumstances. So rare, in fact, I saw the stat. I don't know if you saw it. The last time we scored a goal that late in a game was Andy Robertson's third goal, the, the third goal against Derby in the uh, first leg of the playoff. Um, yeah, well. which is some time ago. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, and it was a great finish as well. I, I was sort of posed the yeah. question in the chat that it was probably Oscar's best goal of the season for us. Oh, it's incredible. I've watched it multiple times and um, just the, the speed that the ball, like, came in and how he was able to kind of change his body shape and direct it. It almost looked like one of those kind of last-ditch efforts where you just throw a limb at it and hope that it, uh, you know, that it goes in the right direction. But, uh, you know, on, on replay and being able to watch it a couple of times, uh, you really see the level of finesse and uh, and just quality finish that it was. So, uh, yeah, fair play to Oscar. Uh, massive, massive goal in the scheme of things. But, yeah, a very impressive finish. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I guess manner of the performance as well. I mean, I've seen some sort of criticism on social media for how we played, you know, the fact that it, we're sort of struggling to pick up wins at home. I think I think we're, we're third on the table for away form, but we're second last on the table for home form, which probably says it all um, at the moment. Um, but I was actually surprised when I was looking at the stats and we had more shots and more shots on target in this game than we did against Wigan. And I guess when you're putting them in the back of the net, it makes the performance a more enjoyable one. Um, and it, it maybe speaks a bit to the fact that towards the end of the game, we throw every, threw everything at them and, and perhaps we're a bit um, bit uh, complacent early on, I guess is the word for it. H- how did you view the performance as a whole? I think we sort of sat back a bit too much in the first half, perhaps. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I thought that we played well in patches, but the thing for me is, and I know this sounds like one of the most kind of obvious cliches in, in world football, but we just seem to be a horrible team when playing behind, particularly if the goal that we concede is a really careless one. And 
I mean, you go back and watch the goal that we did concede and mm. you, you look at how poor it, it almost looks calamitous. But it's not that anyone is really largely at fault. It just looks like uh, as a kind of whole unit that people are just, uh, you know, bundling off. And it, it just seemed all too easy. And I think we've probably seen that too frequently uh, in, in the games at home, particularly against those, those teams that were, you know, either sitting above or are expected to kind of really, uh, you know, trouble. Um, and, and they're the games that, that really scare me at home. It's like uh, going to the times or going to the recent times where the KCOM or MKM or whatever it, whatever it's labelled uh, throughout these periods is, uh, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a fortress. I've always felt uh, pretty positive about playing at home, particularly in our times in the Premier League. So uh, I guess the thing that's concerning for me is, coming up against these teams at home that uh, we should have a lot of confidence about that we're just allowing them, uh, you know, horrendous goals and just kind of easy, easy leg ups and then having to find our way back into the game and, and still rescue points sometimes. But I mean, we've had a few red cards, um, you know, against us recently where we've been playing against 10 men for, for the vast majority of the second half. And, and then we really start to get confidence. So, I think that's disappointing that it was another one of those games that even though the performance itself wasn't incredibly poor and, you know, I think Oscar, as we've mentioned, kind of saved our blushes. But the fact that we're finding ourselves in positions at home where we have to chase games is probably the yeah. the biggest issue. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. And I think um, there's also the, the element that some people have pointed out is that, you know, when we go away from home, sides are less likely to sit back and park the bus against us um, yep. when, when they're sort of expected to be the ones to go out and attack, which then maybe plays into our hands. Whereas at home, as we saw against Huddersfield, they go a goal up, they sort of park the bus or sit back a lot more yep. for, for the remainder of the game, um, yep. um, which, which definitely doesn't help things. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought now, what I was going to say. But, but yeah, look, I mean, the, the home form um, is an issue. Um, I think it's it's just the sort of thing where you, you sort of look at the manner of the performance and you think if one of those chances goes in um, a little bit earlier, if we're able to get, get a goal up and actually force the opposition to come out and chase the game, um, it can make, can make a difference because then it opens the game up far more, like you saw against... Uh, was it Cardiff? I think was that at home or was that the, was that away? I can't remember. Where, you know, but that but that sort of game where you know we scored an early goal in that one. Yes, they then took the lead two one up, but it was a much more open game and, and allowed us to essentially win the game. So, um, it, it's one of those things where I think I'm sure the wins will start to come. And I think what I was going to say is I'm actually you know at least the positive to take out of it is that we're turning these positions into draws and we're picking up points even from losing positions. Whereas under Shotter you would have seen the side sort of slump to a 2-0 or a 3-0 defeat and, and, you know, not even have a shot in some of those games. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know that this might be something that will come back to haunt us, but it, it seems like it's been a few weeks since we've genuinely been talking about relegation. I think that, uh, you know, yeah, we've had a steady climb up the, up the ladder, but no longer are these teams, uh, you know, coming uh, like to the MKM or we're going on the road and thinking, oh, geez, like, with the exception that the Sheffield United game that you know we'll be talking about <laughs> shortly, there's very few massive scalps that I, I just think that we um, you know may struggle with. Like everyone is kind of back in that uh, that box now, where regardless of who they are, as you mentioned, there is a confidence in the team, mm. uh, and and it doesn't feel like we really have to fear too many people. So hopefully we can uh, you know uh, correct that home form and and start 
particularly fixing our defense in those first half. And, and then really, uh, you know, when Resinius talked about the type of football that he wants to play, really start to kind of stamp, um, stamp ourselves or assert that dominance earlier in the game and, um, and have teams really fear uh, the, the city attack at home um, and, and not just looking to, to break teams on the counter. Yeah, and for all of our poor home form, I did have a look at, you know, you know, typically looking at form over the last five games, um, there's only three sides in the division who are undefeated in their last five games, and that's Burnley, Sheffield United and ourselves. So yeah. uh, not bad company to be keeping in that sense either. Um, Tete off the bench as well, another good cameo from him. He had that yeah. really clean strike towards the end of the game where you think if that goes in the back of the net, that's, that's up there as one of the goals of the season. It was such a pure strike, uh, just a bit unfortunate. Yeah, it's amazing to see a, a player of uh, Tete's quality back. And and as we mentioned, you know, at the start of the year, uh, when when Oscar and, and Tete were paired together, they looked to be, you know, quite a quite a fearsome duo. And uh, rudely, that was, you know, cut short, unfortunately, by the Tete injury. So uh, to me, it's kind of, I don't know, no, no coincidence that Oscar seems to have hit his straps again uh, with the... Uh, you know, return of, of Tede himself. So, uh, you know, hopefully that partnership will be be something that we'll be looking to over the next couple of weeks uh, and, you know, continues to help that that climb up the ladder that we, we're expecting to see. Yeah, four, four goals in a row um, for Oscar as well, first time in his career. It's, it's, he seems to be that sort of streaky striker. Like he, he got the yeah. seven goals or whatever it was at the start of the season and, and he's going on another similar streak uh, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I still remember the the opening podcast of the season when uh, you asked uh, the people, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you did it with a couple of us, but who was the player that you were most, uh, you know, likely to to see or you were most excited to see? And I think you mentioned Oscar, wanted to know if he was that 15-goal-a-season striker that we'd been uh, longing for. And I guess, you know, he, he's answered that question uh, in the run that he had the season striker that's that, well that's right with the with the return that he did have at the start of the season and then as you mentioned the this current period that he's sitting in um you know it's uh, it's he's definitely a proven goal scorer and every championships team or every team in world football needs someone of that caliber so um, you know he's he's certainly been um, an incredible asset to uh, to the city playing group this year yeah, no doubt. Oh, looks like my uh, my uh, Chrome might be about to restart. So if I disappear from the stream for two seconds, don't panic. I'll be right back. Um, just on MVP votes, then how about how about you give your MVP votes while this uh, relaunches, and I'll be back in about five seconds. Okay, perfect. Um, look, the 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 three uh, three votes I had to give for Oscar, obviously that goal. Um, and the magnitude of uh, of being able to rescue a point for us in a game that. Uh, could have been an incredibly uh, hapless result, uh, was was fantastic. Uh, and he actually, I thought, uh, to be fair, uh, he had quite a decent game in the build-up. Um, he looked our most likely uh, for for extended periods. So three points definitely to Oscar. Um, my my two points, I think I'm going to give uh, to Alfie Jones. I thought he was he was pretty solid. And um, I just, I, I know that it kind of it seems a little bit contradictory when I talk about conceding a, a really weak goal um, earlier and it's it's kind of difficult to to pick on uh, pick on one of your central defenders but I thought he was pretty good and then uh, my one point I was, I was going to give to Regan Slater I think that um he just continues to be that that workhorse and I'm actually really impressed I know that there's a lot of talk about him being a you know 50,000 pound signing and, and all the rest of it but 
regardless of of the transfer fee or the what we actually paid for him, uh, the price tag, I'm just amazed at what we've seen in his game and the improvement. Um, I guess the the player that he's become for us. He just seems to be so much more confident on the ball now, and he's always been a, a kind of workhorse. But how he's now starting to really link up um, our our attack is it's not just a case of oh he's good on the ball. Um, he's just really impressed me with his ability now as a as an attacking midfielder, and he just seems to be growing uh, in stature. So for him, um, he he got my one point. How do you say it? <laughs> Yeah, um, pretty well. Similar in in one sense, I, I was pretty close to giving Slater my one vote, but I um I ended up swapping that out. But yeah, I gave Oscar the three votes as well. Um, hard to go past him when he got the goal to um to snatch the draw for us. Um, and really sort of looked. He had that other shot um just before I think that the keeper palmed onto the post as well. So, yeah. um, looking quite dangerous around the box and 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 definitely um one of the stars of the match. Um, I went Graves for the two votes, so I guess sort of similar thinking to you going another one of the defenders. Um, I thought it was another really strong display from Graves. Um, I, I think he – I mean, look, I mean, to be fair, I could give it to Jones as well because he, he did put that ball up forward that um, Oscar eventually scored off, but um, I sort of lent towards Graves on that one. Um, and then I gave one vote to Ingram. Um, I thought yeah. that uh, he made a couple of really crucial saves, especially in that first half, to, to essentially keep us in the game. Um, and, uh, look, you know – with the with the news, I guess I, I I'm still a bit unclear whether Axe has actually gone back to Chelsea or what's going on with that, but he's certainly out injured. Um, it's been great to see Ingram sort of step back into the side and uh, still look to be performing um, as well as he has, um, which is uh, which is great to see. So that was my three votes as well. Uh, looks like we've got someone watching on from France, which is always great to see. So good morning uh, from here in Australia as well. Hopefully uh, you hopefully enjoy the episode. Um, Okay, well, we'll move on then and we'll talk off uh, off field news. We've got a few bits of transfer uh, news to get through. Uh, we sort of talked last week about um, Malcolm Ebiawe's move from Palace being all but a formality. Uh, looks like it's been held up slightly by a knee injury, which seems pretty typical for us this season. It seems players either get injured as they sign, like in the case of Adama Traore and uh, and Salah from Arsenal, or, or they get injured before we've even been able to get pen to paper. But you know, fingers crossed it's a pretty minor one and it uh, sounds like he'll be with us before the end of January anyway, which uh, isn't the end of the world, I suppose. Not at all, but it, it definitely uh, takes away a lot of weight from my argument about getting these deals done earlier in the Jan- January transfer window if we uh, know that we're just going to be inheriting another hospital situation. But uh, yeah, look, let's let's hope that, as you said, it's a minor one and um, that he'll all the, all the paperwork will be done and we'll see him uh, you know, announced very shortly. Yeah. Um, and the other one, which I think from memory first emerged last week after our last episode, uh, Uriel Selly, I think is how it would be pronounced, uh, Peruvian youngster, about 21 years old, I think, um, has made his international debut for Peru. So he's got a bit about him. Um, sounds like we're sort of going down the same route as, you know, your Norwiches and your Watfords of basically trying to recruit these guys from South America before they make it big over in Europe and, and attract a much bigger fee. Um very much one for the future. I mean, Rosinia's confirmed that this is happening, so it's more than just paper talk, um, but very much sort of a, you know, I think we're signing him, loaning him straight back to to a South American team and uh, more one to keep tabs on for uh, future seasons, I suspect. Well, it's a, a very interesting direction and one that, you know, would be somewhat unfamiliar for the, the direction of, uh, the, I guess, the city scouting report because I know that we've talked about this before as well and it, certainly under Steve Bruce, is we know that, that he was very much a um, 
a, a homegrown kind of uh, a scout where uh, you know he, he looked certainly in the United Kingdom uh, to to find uh, to find his talent and and did a, fa- a, a fantastic job I, I might add um, when we we think about some of the the names that he did attract to the squad but you know I, I certainly have uh, have really liked what Liam Rossini's done in in regard to the types of players that that he is thinking about signing in. Uh, you know, we talked about the relationship that he's got from Derby and the the people that he's uh, got in his corner and his close friends with. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, having any level of connection like that and um, being able to rely on on such sources, uh, obviously there's probably something in this. So as you said, a 21-year-old Peruvian international, um, it doesn't sound like a, a poor, uh, poor thing to be keeping tabs on, as you say. I did also have a sneaky look to see if he was uh, if his cap came in that match against Australia. It did not, which uh, mm-hmm. would have been a bit of fun. But uh, yeah. I'm sure he was uh, watching on for that one. Um, I guess the other bit of, of transfer news that I think just emerged today was um, that we're getting quite close to signing a senior keeper on a season loan. Um, few rumours that it's either Carl Dal- Carl Darlow from Newcastle or I think Scott Carson, who's at Man City. Now, mm-hmm. I think Carson sounds more likely only because he was at Derby with yeah. Rosinia. Um, and obviously, you know, being in the city system would be very adept at sort of, you know, passing out from the back and, and that sort of style that Rosinia wants to be embedding. So he's the one that seems more logical to me, no doubt m- mainly coming in as like a backup to Ingram and to, to sort of push him rather than to take over starting. But I, I guess probably makes sense to get another senior keeper in. Well, absolutely. You know, I, I always remember, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think Scott Carson was the, the keeper in that, that derby game that we mentioned where uh, Andy Robinson yeah. did score uh, incredibly late. But um, as you said, Scott Carson's a, a, a very uh, well-traveled veteran. And um, yeah, as you say, senior keeper that uh, would probably provide that backup option to, uh, you know, to Ingram, which would, uh, you know, certainly strengthen our ranks, especially if the rumors of, of Baxter returning to Chelsea are true. Yeah, and speaking of returns to Chelsea, we do have the comment here saying uh, Cameron wished that he saw more of Harvey Vale before he left. Um, Vale has returned to Chelsea. Um, Cynic has gone back to Antalya Spore on loan and uh, Fleming's gone out on loan to Oxford. So a couple of players either returning to their parent clubs or or heading out on on, uh, new loan deals as well. Um, I guess Cynic's probably the biggest name of those three. Bit of mixed reports, I think, Baz might have tweeted out saying that his city career is over. He's gone back to Antalya Spore, but then Rosenia said that he's expected back here for the start of summer for uh, pre-season training. Um, suppose he could get another chance in the city squad, see if he comes back with a sort of refreshed attitude. But otherwise, probably you know one that's that's been a bit of a bust, unfortunately. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have scored on the weekend as well. Yeah, he did. Uh, which, which just adds adds to that sold in the wounds. Uh, to be fair, I uh, I think that Cynic was was one of the the kind of the bright lights that I really would have liked to have you know seen more of. I agree, I would have loved to have seen more avail uh, myself as well. I think that in the very uh, you know very limited time that we saw him, he did show a lot of promise. But Cynic for me. Um, you know, I, when I saw that headline and thought, uh, if he if he is to uh, be one that does return, uh, which it, obviously he, he has done, so um, you know that that's certainly an area that um that looks like uh, it's the one that got away, maybe uh, just because there did you know seem to be an incredible amount of promise with him. But uh, I, I guess I'm not going to judge that decision until we see uh, what happens in the the remaining time. Uh, that we've got in this window in January and see if they're able to replace him with someone potentially more suitable 
Um, we'll wait and see. Absolutely. Um, all right, then let's do a quick round of who am I and then we'll chat Sheffield United if you're ready to go. Let's do it. This one is a bit trickier than last week, so uh, we'll, see, we'll see how you go with this one. Um, I made 77 league appearances for City and I scored nine goals. Okay, yep, next clue. That doesn't give me anything just yet. I joined City in 2011, so he joined under Nigel Pearson um, and I left City in 2014, so under Steve Bruce, after loan spells at Ipswich and Birmingham. Mm. 77. I don't know if this is the right period. I feel um, 77. We're probably looking more at a at a winger or per, perhaps a perhaps a forward that that played a lot of time off off the bench or uh, and the, sorry and, and the clubs again that uh, so he he had loan spells at Ipswich and Birmingham while he was at City. Hmm. Um, okay, right, let me pull up. I'll see because I actually didn't look it up. Like actually, no, hang on. Um, I'll give you the next clue, and then if you're still struggling, I'll tell you who we signed him from, which might help. Um, yeah. But so I'm English. I played as a striker and most often wore the number nine. Okay. The, the player that I had in my head um, and uh, it was, was Martin Waghorn. Um, Not a bad shout. I think he was just online though, so I don't think he yeah. would have made that many and, appearances. But, uh, from, right from, right from, era. Yeah. Sort of, I'm trying. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going to kick myself because the Ipswich, I, I feel like Ipswich is the key um, as, to, as to who – I was trying to think of who are the people that city of uh, uh Okay, I'll need another clue. So we signed him from Peterborough, and if that doesn't help, I'll also look up who we sold him to. Mm. Okay, players who have come from Peterborough, I think, is uh, George Boyd, perhaps. Yeah, uh, not a not a bad chat, and actually, that's. Almost bang on his era. I think he joined us under Bruce, though, so I think he joined the year yeah. after this. But he did right. leave in 2014, so it's a good shout. Okay. And and, so um, th- and this player, so this player, we signed from Peterborough, then we sold to Bradford. Oh, okay. Um, oh, this is a frustrating one. I feel like I say this every time you give me one of these one of these <laughs> questions. It's frustrating. Ones, yeah. It's it's the Ipswich link for me. Um, just trying to think who else was around this era uh, from, from Peterborough, signed from Peterborough. Mm. No, I'll need another clue. Uh, so my, my initials are AM. AM. Oh, is this, this uh, Aaron McLean? Yeah. Yeah. Aaron McLean. Okay. There you, go, you got it. All right. It. So, so that's a tough I, I, one. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that, um, that there was a game. I, I, I can't remember who it was against, but I'm sure that we scored five goals and I'm pretty sure that Aaron McLean got a double and Matty Fry may have got a hat-trick. Yeah, um, that's a – yeah, jeez, what was that ca- – that does sound really familiar. Was it Scunthorpe, maybe? May, maybe. Maybe Scunthorpe. So yeah. Yeah, and I that remember like... it, it came at a really critical time. I think that we were kind of starting to – we'd had a bit of a form slump and then I remember, you know, because you rarely score five goals in a game uh, yeah. and – and when it happened, I just remember seeing the uh, 
seeing who was on the score sheet and it was a, an impressive one but Aaron McLean got a double and I remember being really amazed by that because at that point in time I hadn't seen that much from him and yeah. to see that Aaron McLean had scored twice I was um I was really impressed by so yeah okay and it was it was funny as well because he wasn't particularly prolific so you think he's finally scored two goals in a game how good for yeah. him and then yeah. you know um fright steals the show by scoring three um yeah. Just looking up if that was it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was uh it was five one, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So it was five one, Fright Hattrick and McLean with two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh what else was I gonna say? I think he was he was the other one other than Proschwitz who scored in the uh the Middlesbrough win in that first FA Cup match in the uh the big cup run. So yeah, that right. might be one of his last goals for us. But uh, anyway, yeah, Aaron McLean. Very cool. Good. Uh, very good. Um, well, speaking of that cup run, another team that we beat uh, on that famous way to Wembley uh, was Sheffield United. Um, wouldn't mind another five-three win over them this weekend. To be honest, uh, it is a it's a Friday night game in the UK, so Saturday morning over here. But a huge game against the team coming second in the table. Yeah, and and a team that are flying. I, I mentioned before about you know one of those teams that uh, I guess that City have kind of grown into their skin a little bit and, um, you know, look to be a team that shouldn't be scared of too many. I, I do kind of worry. I think that certainly is the, you know, you take a glance at the the league table at the moment and Burnley and Sheffield just do seem to be those two teams that are, uh, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. And certainly with the gap uh, back to those, that third, fourth, five, six places um, for the people chasing the playoffs, it just looks to be, I it's mean, crazy. Uh, and, and I don't like saying that this early in the season because, you know, we do know from, from years of experience what, what can happen in the championship, but it certainly does just appear like they are uh, playing on a different level at the moment. And I think it's going to be a really tough one for us this week. Yeah, 11 points clear of third already is pretty unreal. Um, I guess, you know, sort of clutching at straws for potential uh, points in our favour. So enjoy might be missing for them. He's been a really strong focal point for them so far this season. Um, as I sort of mentioned earlier in the episode, though, I mean, it is there's, there's that interesting element that we are sort of third or second in the form table away from home. So there is the argument to be made that uh, we kind of go there in pretty strong form, um, at least away from home. Um, you know, there's the, there's the potential, I suppose, that Tete might be able to be back in the starting lineup. Um, maybe Tufan, who's, who's someone we didn't really talk about off the bench um, against Huddersfield, who looked reasonable. Well, um, yeah. There's a few. There's a few options there for us to change things up and, and change the way that we we sort of play against them. And, and it's easy to forget that we did actually run them pretty close when we played them earlier in the season. It was really, I'd almost say it was probably Tete's injury in that game that that sort of swung, uh, swung the balance. Um, and you know, Oscar had that really good chance. I think Tufan had one as well in that game. Um, if it was the same game I'm thinking of, where he he, he could have taken it around the keeper or something, but tried to chip him. I think that was that game. Yeah. Um, so so there, there could be opportunities there to, to get at them. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, as much as I do say that they are a team that we probably do have to have a healthy fear of, uh, given the, their form, I mean, it's, it is one of those games that you could argue as well, is it is it a free hit for City in the respect mm. that, you know, they are sitting, you know, so high up the ladder and, as you mentioned, we, we have no reason to not be confident given our away form, but uh, I don't know if it'll be one of those games that we'll have, you know, extreme pressure under if we come away and don't have the three points, then, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a travesty. I, I don't think it will be seen that way by Rosinha and I feel like he will he'll certainly, you know, have the troops up for it because it is just one of those, um, you know, 
significant games, if you look at it as an opportunity and you do go there and you come away with, uh, you know, a point or even better three points, uh, it sort of instantly skyrockets the confidence in, in the playing group. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're ever going to look for a promotion run or certainly a, a late season kind of uh, chase at that playoff position, then these are the types of games that can really spark that. Yeah, no doubt. And and it would certainly have the rest of the league sort of sit up and take notice of us if we were to pull off the win in this one. Um, sort of talking there about Tete and Tufan, are there any changes that you, you'd you probably make to the side? Maybe maybe Tete in for Smith if, he, if he's up to starting? Yeah, I think that that's probably the obvious one. I think, you know, the, the Tete return, and as you said, there were some really good moments or flashes of brilliance and uh, from today, certainly late in the game. Um, and uh, if he is fit, I, I know that that's probably the way that Rossini would be thinking if he had to, you know, name his, his first 11 on paper as the, the players that he'd like to see. Uh, I think a fit today probably nudges it over Smith. Um, you're more likely to see Smith kind of late in the game come on for the last 15 or 20 and, um, and just be that kind of workhorse who puts a bit of pressure and, and looks to, to sneak a straight, uh, sneak a late goal, but I, I think that it's more likely that Tede starts if, if like, as you said, they, they deem him up to speed. Yeah, I mean, Smith and uh, Slater, both ex-Chef United players as well, so I'm sure they'd love to be um, on the score yeah. sheet against the Blades. Um, score prediction for this one? Uh, this is a tough one to pick. I think away from home, I think the Blades definitely have goals in them. Uh, look, I... I'd really like us to score. I'm going to say maybe two one to to Sheffield yeah. United, and uh, and I would absolutely love to be able to say one one, and and we we go there and sneak a huge point. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm probably with you. I'd probably say a two one defeat. Um, yeah, one one uh, draw would be perfectly fine with me, or just you know any any sort of result or uh, a strong performance would be good to see as well. Um, so just keeping it tight, keeping it close, and uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, but that's what we've got to look forward to this weekend uh, come Saturday morning, which will be great fun. Um, and it's been great fun having you on, Logan. So thank you for joining me. My pleasure, Alex. I'm uh, really looking forward to a nice, healthy Australian time slot for us uh, to, to view yeah, the absolutely. game at a, a reasonable hour. Yeah, not, not as much of a struggle for, to stay awake yeah. for this one as it is uh, at 2am. So definitely looking forward to that. And uh, look, thank you everyone for, for joining us for this week's episode. It's a bit, bit laid out this week. Uh, we'll be back probably on the uh, Tuesday or Wednesday next week to look forward to the next round of games. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber and Black. No turning back cause you're out.